Hello and welcome everyone to the Habs World Podcast. I'm your host, Norm Sarek. I have with me my trio of co-hosts. First up is Paul McLeod. Paul, how are you? Oh, great, Norm. Great. Glad, happy to be here. Happy to have you. Next up is Sean Kayouet. Sean, how are you? I feel as good as uh, Jeff Skinner when he sees Montreal Canadiens coming up on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well said. Okay, Jonathan Rebello, it's going to be tough to, to top that one, but how are you tonight? Oh, I can top it for sure because I'm feeling <laughs> pumped up like I got the biggest mutant in the league playing on my team tonight. <laughs> I wonder which mutant that might be. Well, guys, let's start. Let's dive in. I should mention this is episode number 106, and we're recording this the evening of February 21st, 2024. <laughs> Paul, you have some trivia. I do. Some notable 106s in Canadians' history. First of all, first one should be an obvious one. Can you guess what is an important 106 that we all should be aware of? No. All right. I will tell you. 2023-2024 is the 106th season of the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, oh okay. In, in, other, in other 106 news, I decided to switch it up a bit, and I've gone with Montreal's 106th victory, which was a massive 16th. No, must, sorry to cut you off. That must be the 116th, though, because that 100th year anniversary was not, was 2009. Six years from now to be 2014. Mm, well, maybe they're counting NHL seasons. According mm, okay, to the who's looking at, NHL they said season, 106. Okay. Oh, okay. I'll put an asterisk on that one. Okay. 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 Sorry to cut so, you that's all right. Like, Montreal like, like the Fed's banners. Put an asterisk inside. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, once again, take three. Montreal's 106th victory was a massive 16-3 victory against the Quebec Bulldogs in Quebec, and it occurred on March 3rd, 1920, near the end of the club's third season in the NHL. Notable players of 106 in Canadians' history, there are very, very few. There are a couple of familiar names, but not much in the way of accomplishment. So going very quickly, Kent Carlson, who might be related to the Carlson brothers from Slapshot, played for the Canadians in 80, from 84 to 86. Huh. Massive four goals, eight assists, and 12 points, and 106 penalty minutes. Gilbert Dion, who we all Remember, 91 to 95, 130 points over that span and 106 penalty minutes. Radic Bonk, rounding out the penalty minute crew from 2006 to 2007, also had 106 PMIs. And a guy named Brett Corvo from 1918 to 22 played 106 regular season's games for the Canadians, as did Nikolai Delore from 2018 to 2019. And not counting tonight's game, Jordan Harris has played or had played 106 games as a Montreal Canadian. Great way to wrap it up, Paul. Yeah, for tonight. And I hope I hope Harris is able to eclipse all of those others in, in Hab's lore. And it doesn't sound like you'll have to go all that far to do it. I like Bonk, kind of. Sort of. Yeah, great yeah. hockey name. I like Bonk as well. <laughs> Isn't it starting to draft this year? lineup tonight, too, from the concussion. So nice to have him back. So His uh, back son was drafted, right, uh, by... He's a defenseman, wasn't he? Yes, his son was drafted. I can't remember by who. His, uh, son, his son played for Team Canada, right? I think he might have. Yeah, I believe so. He did. Yeah. yeah. And he was, and Bonk played in, in Vegas. I think he was drafted from Vegas. It was like an IHL or something like that. I, I, I don't remember the league. but it, I think so. Yeah, he played. Yeah. I think Robert Lang played there too. It was the International Hockey League. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good stuff with the trivia, guys. So let's dive into tonight's game and discuss that a little bit since it's all going to be fresh on our minds. 
it was an interesting match. A little disappointing that they ended up on the on the losing end, yeah. but but entertaining. There were there's some definitely some entertaining moments to it. I, I felt there's a little one thing that was interesting. They were talking about streaks going into the game too, with a couple of players doing so well lately. Well, really, their top line's been doing so well lately. But jinx. Well, hmm. I can say it now game's over. <laughs> so that's that was something, but. It was it was it was an interesting game. I, I don't know where do we want to start with this. Let's. I, I just want to talk about Aberjack. I've been chopping at the okay. at the start of the podcast. I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk about all the things I really love about it. One, he went down to the minors. I know that he wasn't probably the most happy about it when it happened, but he played amazing down there. Really played well with Logan Mayu. He's got called up, and you know I think he's had some fits and spurts where he's a little bit tried to do too much as he's come up here, but I think he's reigned in his play and I know he did a couple of games ago have that hit that took himself out of the play that you know two on one goal against and I think that's going to happen but I think more often than not this guy is going to be a guy you want on the ice and 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 in your locker room and is a guy that's going to defend teammates you know what he did after the little coincidental contact there that Evans received in the corner the way he went after Middlestat three times in a row knocked him on his ass that's just wicked. Teammates love that. And I like that he didn't try to fight him because I don't think I don't think the hit was that dirty. I haven't really seen a you know an overhead or the reverse angle hit in the, a replay of the hit. But it looked like it was just, you know, unfortunate for Jake. But I love the way that Jack I stepped up. He's also scored in both in two consecutive games. He's getting the puck through. And even you know, he, he could have easily had an assist or another goal tonight. He got a couple of pucks through from the point. Not hard shots, but wrist shots. And I I know there's a thought, I'm sure, in Canadians' management's head of, you know, maybe we want to trade Arbor Jacki because, you know, his value is really high right now and every team in the league would trade for him, and I think that's the truth. I think 31 GMs pick up the phone for Arbor Jacki. I don't know if they all give you a package you want back, but I think they all take them on, their, on his team. They'd all give you something for him. And I know there's the thought that maybe, you know, he'll get figured out because he's a little bit bigger, a little bit slower, maybe can beat, get beat around the outside, but... I believe this kid's going to be persistent and keep learning and adapting and growing his game. And even if there's only, you know, a 10 or 15% chance that he could be a top four on a great team, I'd be willing to take that risk because he just has so many potential tools in the bag that I think can be unlocked. And he learns stuff down on Laval. And I'm just, I'm, I'm glowing talking about Arbor right now. And I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. The thought of the Canadians trading young defensemen before they have to still gives me the shakes because of the history of bad decisions by previous GMs dating back to Rod Langway, although at least Langway demanded a trade and had to be shipped out of town. But, you know, yeah. they weren't all young, but they were all great defensemen, and the trades were all bad. We can go Langway, Chelios, McDonough, Subban. Sergachev. Sergachev, right? Yeah. The list goes on, and I think and I hope that Hughes is is wise enough to not make a trade until he has to make a trade. And I think, given the high value he seemed to place on Josh Anderson last season when teams were actually inquiring about him, that may have been a mistake in, round, in retrospect. But the idea is Anderson's a unicorn, big, fast, tough, hits, can score. Jack Eye's the same thing guys that big 
don't generally move that bit, that well. And guys that can score a little bit, defend really well, and hit like he does are not all that common. The only thing is you don't want him fighting a lot, like you said, Jonathan, because he's a defenseman. So unless he's taken on, on one of their best players, it's a losing losing situation to have one of your defensemen in the box too much. So to throw it back at you, throw it back at you, Paul, I want to ask you like about trading Jack Eye. Yeah. Would where would you put Jack Eye in terms of the Canadians defensemen in terms of who you would trade? No, you would not trade. Like, who are the guys most important in order? Like, is your most important guy right now? Who is it? For me, I think the most important guys are uh, Gooley, including prospects. So we're including yeah. Hudson in this group. Yeah, Gooley, Hudson, Reinbacker. Like our top six is uh, Mayu. So you I would think- trade Jack Eye because at this point, there you go. That's four guys above Jack Eye. Like he's not going. He's going to be number six. Yeah, I think he's got. I think he's. Then I trade him if that's what you think. Well, if you can get well, but I don't know, right? I'm saying right now. Yeah. But the thing That's is, what I think the Habs are thinking too. But Jack Eye came from you know just f- through determination and hard work and obviously some great genetics to the NHL when nobody expected him to. So who's expect who? Where do you think? Where is he going to go? Like people were screaming last year that oh the Canadians wasted a fourth round pick on Florian Jacki, but now he's scoring a, a, like at a goal a game pace, right? So I'm hesitating to to trade a guy like that. I'd rather keep him around as a sixth defenseman than give him away, unless unless the package is mind blowing, right? Sean, That's Sean, one of you two. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean it wasn't rosy when he first got called up but this was the first game I thought he looked really good. I was worried when he got called up because he got sent down because he was taking too many penalties. So I was like, oh, they better not muzzle him because that's the last thing you want to do is that's the unique trait that he brings. And I think if they realize that maybe he is just a bottom six, a bottom pairing defenseman, that he can excel in that role and be a very important player. I don't think you need to mold him into something that he might not become, especially since they have so many good young defenders they don't need him to be that they just need him to be that that presence i mean that beautiful open assist hit on jurgensen's and i i thought he was going to grab greenway the way greenway was playing and just pummel him but you know he he held back and he just made his presence known to counter that and i mean in terms of trade i mean i wouldn't look to trade him but i don't think i'm of the opinion that no one is ever off the table you know. Okay, yeah, yeah, of course. Nobody's off the yeah. table. Okay, now, yeah. Norm, I'm going to throw it to you with a specific now. Would you trade Arbor Jackeye and the Winnipeg first and a couple of the Habs' other second-round picks or some maybe, you know, like two more smaller assets for Trevor Zegris? Wow. <laughs> That's really putting it on the spot, isn't it? Let's see. Like if the main piece of the package are Jackeye, the Winnipeg first, plus two other, you know, Throw in type I, I can answer that question. Okay. No, hell no. Okay, really? I hell yes. Okay. Hey, Norm. I'm I'm on the fence on this one. I've got. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about Zagers a little later, but we'd be, uh, we'd be a hung jury. We'll, we'll, we'll go into it now. <laughs> I I I can't help but think why Anaheim would be considering moving this player at this point. I mean, yes, he's had a down season, but he's also had some injuries that have really set him back. And yes, they have other younger players that can play center, but he's got the talent. He could easily shift to the wing and and you know be have less responsibility defensively. So when you have some somebody like that, why would you even consider moving him away unless there's some other t- intangibles that you're not aware of? 
that's that's what scares me is is that. But talent wise, yeah, I I, I would probably make that trade. Okay. I think with yeah, so Zegers, I, I'm with uh, that one. I would not. I would not do it. Really, okay. I I think with Zegers, it's like uh, they probably negotiated, and he didn't want to sign for seven or eight years, and they said, okay, well then, you know, maybe he showed zero inches because I I don't like like you, Norm. I don't see a reason why they would trade him. He fits with their core. But to me, that's a no-brainer trade. You're trading a a what who I deem is a bottom pairing defenseman for a guy that's got sixty points twice already. He's twenty-two. Absolutely. Did you yeah. see the offense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, There's only I, one I, line that yeah. does anything. There's one line that does anything every game. I, I mean, yeah. and I just, the, just the image of the bell center when he does a Michigan, I mean, that I, I think he did it at the bell center. Didn't he? Didn't he do yeah, Michigan he on the house? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Not this year. I think he did it last year, but yes, yeah. uh, in, in Montreal, he would be, he would be the next Kovalev. They would love what he does on the ice. Right. And as long as he tried somewhat hard offensively, he would get away with murder in Montreal for sure. They would, they would adore the stuff that he does and the stuff that he tries. They excite him, and that Montreal wants to be excited. So he'd fit in yeah. that way for sure. I just don't like the dynamic of a four for one asset wise. Plus, that's what it would cost though. Zegers is is he he's that valuable. Like that's it's, yeah. that'd be the start the starting point. I bet you and yeah. I would want even more than that. The Canadians have actually, according to Pierre Lebrun, have been one of the teams, one of the I think five teams that have called Anaheim about Zegers. So right, but yeah, it'd be oh, sorry, just one more thing. But I, somebody else brought up, I think it was on TSN six ninety that they had interviewed the, I think it, maybe it was Arpin Basu. Anyway, he had interviewed the Anaheim head coach, whose name escapes me right now, Conklin, I think. And he was talking along the lines of where he didn't believe or that he, that he believes Zegras still has a place in this team. He's kind of, uh, kind of dispelling any notions of a potential trade. Now, he, you know, maybe he's, it could be doing that as a smokescreen to keep his, the value of the player high. It's, it's hard to say, but it was, it was kind of interesting. I think he's really close with Cole too. I think they might be growing up together uh, playing. I don't know if they grew up together. I, I don't know if Zegers isn't from Wisconsin, right? But I think they're they're just good pals from the USNDTP uh, yes. program. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. And yeah. Uh, yeah. but imagine like like New Hook's not bad, but imagine you put Zegers on that power play that's working now instead of New Hook, and the kind of well, the fact that you production bring that up, they actually new new hook very lazy on the power play tonight. There was two times there was like scramble pucks and he didn't even try for it. And I know he's just back from injury, but kind of depressing to watch him out there. And I'd I'd be watching that tape and giving him a kick in the ass. Yeah, to to defend him though, I don't think this is the first game I've seen him play where since he's been back from that injury, where I've actually seen some some of his skating skill come back. Really, the the first few games he just hasn't had and I was thinking to myself watching those games like he's he's rushed himself back a little a little early and, and possibly because of injury situation and then then and then the recent trade with Monahan but it was just one of those things where I, I just kept thinking he doesn't look right he doesn't look right or he doesn't look the same as he did say at the start of the season so I'm I'm still willing to give him a little bit of leeway before deciding on on them on you, that way you know why he doesn't look the same you know what the X factor is? Who's What's on that? his line? Yeah. Josh Anderson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah before you were saying, uh, to describing Josh Anderson, Paul, and saying that he's tough and he hits and he scores, those are three things he does not do this year. 
I was referring to last season, actually. Yes, for sure. In yeah, previous yeah. seasons. I yeah. was, Sean, sadly, Sean I was, was not. Last year, Sean wanted to trade him, and he was right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I knew that it, it's just going to be ups and downs, but now the downs are just so long. It's just insane. And yeah, I've said the next it, time he uh, turns it up, you got to see if you can find a taker for him. And I said it before because I think he, like, when when you play like that, like like Cole, we had mentioned in the last podcast, Cole wasn't scoring, but what was he doing to get himself back in the in the groove? Is he was back checking and he's working hard. Anderson, he's got a, you're six three and you skate like that, just hit people. To me, he, he needs to play like Dustin Brown did in L.A., but he seems to fancy himself Rick Nash and trying to like toe drag everyone and like it's just stupid. Like he's just not a smart player. I, th- I do think that's a problem, and I think that's not going to work with Marty's style. Marty wants all the players trying to create things in the offensive zone and extend plays, and he is just so much more of a north-south player, not a hold-on-to-the-puck guy, and wait a second, and uh, it's it, he's really struggling. Right. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and that's unfortunate because you just devalue the asset then, and there's, what, three more seasons left on after this season on his contract? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of assets, what you guys think of the uh, the Monahan trade? I, okay. I liked it. I liked it. Some people were saying it wasn't enough, but I mean, <laughs> those same people were making a direct comparison between Monahan and Lindholm, which is just not reality. So I think a, a first and a conditional third is 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 really good. I'm just not sure if I should be cheering for the Jets to win the Cup, to get the lower first and the third, or if them going out earlier and getting a t- higher third, a first is better. I'm just, I'm on the fence there. Plus I really dislike Mark Scheifele still. So <laughs> it's hard for me to cheer for any team. <laughs> well, you'll be happy to know he received some type of dirty hit last night. I can't remember what it was, but I remember seeing it on sports center that somebody hit him in a dirty way, but he's tough though. He stayed in the game. Okay. What'd you think of it, Norm? Yeah. I like the trade. I mean, like we've discussed before, the Habs are already on the on the board with getting the first round pick and that complicated trade to 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 receive him in the first place, just to take on his salary and all that. So, adding another first round pick is it's great management, great asset management. I I'm quite happy with it. We knew it was going to happen. I I had a feeling though it was going to happen a little closer to the trade deadline, but I don't mind the timing. It hurt them in terms of their center depth, which was already pretty weak, but. Overall, though, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with the trade. Yeah, and I love the trade. It's spectacular, and I try to bring Monahan back next year. Um, I know he got off to a rough start there with the Jets. They lost a bunch of games games in a row, but he's got five goals in his last three games with a hat trick in there. So he's doing some good stuff for the Jets. But I would imagine if he has a good run with the Jets and a good playoff, he's going to command top dollar and probably a multi year deal. But depending on the Canadians' cap situation next year. I would, you know, definitely consider bringing him on, even at like a one-year deal with a really big number. Like, you know, let's see, a team offers him, you know, three years, four and a half million dollars a year. I'd say Montreal offer him one year, seven point five million. You know, if, if, if I, and I mean, if the, I, and what I'm only saying that is if you know there's no other free agents that fit and that number puts him to the cap, he's a great asset to bring on and just trade him again for another first-round pick at trade deadline again. Like he's obviously cool with this setup. He 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 loves Cole Caulfield. He wants to be a Montreal Canadian. Um, I would 
I, make him a rich man, bring him back to Montreal for a year. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd have no problem seeing him in, back in Montreal in October, even if it was for an absorbent number, because he's already brought them two first-round picks. Even if he absolutely stunk up the joint, you couldn't trade him. He's brought you two first-round picks. I, I was texting Jonathan after the trade, and my only disappointment was that I would have preferred one of the Jets' prospects as opposed to a first because they draft so well and they develop so well that mm. I figured that they could that you know you could have got into that. But you know, I think it's just going to be an asset that Kent uses in the summer to trade for a player, a la New Hook and and Doc. So I don't think that's I don't think that's a pick they're going to make unless they end up trading their top ten pick. But I highly doubt that. But I mean, the the like you said, Jonathan. If they bring him back, it seems like Cole would love that. <laughs> Regarding his comments, and I think I'll, look at Slavkovsky even before games, he's still doing the invisible handshake with Monahan. Oh, <laughs> I did not know that. I oh, yeah, they that, Okay, maybe they just that. show it on uh, on RDS. But yeah, he well, does. Well, that's uh, why I watch. I only watch RDS. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. But I fast forward through the pregame. Don't really pay attention to that. So. Yeah, he uh-huh. does the handshake uh, to no one, just to. <laughs> <laughs> you just know the boys love him because uh, you know he's yeah. he's just a pure hockey guy. Monahan's a pure hockey guy, and yep. I think most of the teammates would love that. He works hard. He's you know creative and he's adapted his game, even though he's slowed up a bit. And I'm sure they all respect you know the injuries that he's battled through and how much work he's put in to come back and play. He could obviously, I'm sure, retire a wealthy man and not worry about hockey anymore. But he's doing all this because he loves the game. Yeah, he'd be a good Talking mentor for for uh, Beck. Sorry. You know, if, yeah, yeah. If, if Owen Beck comes up training camp oh. again and has a really good training camp and comes as a fourth line center, because, you know, maybe they get rid of Evans or something, bring back Monaghan and kind of help develop Beck and that make him a, an elite faceoff guy in the NHL or something, you know, yeah. be good, good to have around. I, I don't think he'll be back, but I mean, I, I, I liked, loved him as a hab. Loved, I love the asset ma- management. But, you know, one thing that surprised me, I expected the power play to crater after Monaghan left. But the new hook in the bumper has been very effective. Oh, I think the power play has all been about Slavkovsky. But, yes, it seems like everyone has a lot more confidence with the puck. I think that was even here before Monaghan. But, yeah, you're right, Paul. The power play is not created at all. And I think, Sean, you're bringing up Slavkovsky there. I'd love to hear you guys talk about your thoughts on Slav's confidence and his play over the last couple of weeks. Well, I'd like to say one thing before we do that, is that one big difference on the power play is that Matheson's actually passing the puck to Slavkowski, <laughs> yeah. which he wasn't doing before very often. So. Not as much as I want, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, but still. I, I did see the someone said online that it, it's likely more likely that because he can get a one-timer pass back from Cole. So if he gives it to Slavkowski, he can't get received the puck back in one time. So it's like right. it gives more options, but sometimes it's just like ridiculous. There's like three guys on Cole and he sends it there anyways. But yeah, it's it's yeah. a bit better now. Well, especially since Slavkovsky started burying some of those passes, makes it a lot better. Well, you know, he wired one against Washington. Yeah. And he's wired been wiring them against yep. multiple teams. I mean, it's just uh I've never seen a obviously for the Habs, maybe I haven't followed other NHL teams as close, but like has there ever been a player that's like done a 180 this quickly this young like it, it's kind of insane i know jack hughes had the but it, hughes was always like the same player it's not like he, i think he just kind of got used to it but like slavkovsky just like his scanning and his passing and his you know it's just the the confidence is, is insane it's interesting you mentioned hughes right now slavkovsky and hughes like over the first the start of their career as many games as slavkovsky's played 
he's just he's actually slightly ahead of Hughes's numbers at that age. Hey, if he turns into a hundred point player, <laughs> I won't complain. <laughs> no. I hope uh, I, I'll, I'll go on off one of my my crazy little rants here. But I would love. I'm not sure if you know, but I, I know that you guys do know. Uh, I I took a sign to the NHL draft with Sean the day Slavkovsky was picked, and it said on one side of the sign it said Shane Wright, no matter what. And I would just love to. T- I would love for me to turn into some type of Canadians folklore meme of like that a video of me doing that. And then Slavkovsky scoring Stanley a Stanley Cup game winning goal and pointing at me and laughing <laughs> and just like like a bunch of Slovakian fans behind me just throwing stuff burying me in something and yeah. What I love uh, about him is the I you remember the Ducks game they they got a power play like in the first minute of the game and they didn't score but they had like two minutes of zone possession but he had like three or yeah. four puck retrievals on that like just. Yeah. He's a disruptor. Eh? He's always got a stick somewhere. He's he's pinning guys on the board and just keeping the plays alive. And even even if, even if he doesn't score, that's why I said, you know, I know you laughed last time. I, I said maybe he's like a Marianosa, the new Marianosa, well Slovakian stuff. I'm not talking about like the 100 point Hosa, but like the Blackhawks 70 point two way Hosa. That would be amazing. One thing we did not talk about speaking of the game today is Slavkovsky stunk tonight. Oh yeah, three penalties. He had a rough game. You texted me earlier tonight, Sean. Mm-hmm. That Slavkovsky could have the sombrero tonight because he was, uh, yeah, he was entertainment, but not the kind you want. I don't um, necessarily agree with that. Some, at least two of those penalties were pure bullshit. I mean, the one in the corner where the. He grabbed him by the neck and he threw him. Interfered with him. That's interference. The puck was gone. The Buffalo player collides with Slavkovsky. That's interference against Buffalo. That's not holding on. on Nah, Paul. Nah. Pure bullshit. Okay, Paul. That that penalty there. I like. I like that. That's your opinion. My thoughts on it is I think the I think the referees did an overall good job of letting the boys play tonight because I think you probably could have given Jack Eye an interference penalty for those three consecutive hits on middle stat in the side, but they were letting the boys play like men tonight. And Slavkovsky yeah. did the retaliation thing by grabbing him and pulling him down. You just got to keep his hands free. And even in that neutral zone back check one, you just can't get your hands around the waist, especially when you're a young guy. You, you see grabbing, away. pulling him down. I see him pushing him to try to get back up because he's been interfered with, you see, but the, I may be oh, I saw that as well. I did see him pushing him at the end as well, but I did see the pull down. The shoulder I, I, I may be, I may be biased. This is true. I admit There's it, a lot of defensive coordinators just, that wouldn't mind putting Slavkovsky in the backfield. <laughs> there, I, I get to defend some of those big wide receivers. I'll tell you that for free. Well, with that height, you know, and you see yeah. his passion too, because he was like going at it with the ref, and even yeah. the game against Washington where he, the shot was blocked with one second left, and he was mad. He slammed yeah. his stick, and he just wants to get better. Um, yeah. You brought up the Ducks game there, Sean, or Sean, and how well Slavkovsky played in that game. But what impressed me even more was the next night. When they were in Madison Square Garden and Laviolette was going, you know, what what do they call it in French? RDS, they always, at the start of the game, Pedno always says when it's first line against first line, he calls it force on force or something like that, Sean. What does he say? Oh, I don't, that's a good question. I don't know. He always, like, talks about, like, first line on first line or power on power. And I always love the, like, the turn of phrase in French he uses. I can't recall it right now, but Slavkovsky dominated against the Rangers as well. There was a couple shifts where that line got dominated, but he had dominant shifts playing against Zabinajad and playing against the top D pair in, in, in New York there. And I thought that was even more impressive than the Anaheim game. Yeah. Okay. And even if you're right and he had a bad game, he's 19. There's not too many players oh, yeah, in the NHL at that age that are consistent 
you know, week to week, let alone game to game. Right. He's got the house record now, right, for teenagers for a point streak, yeah. beating yeah. Norm's favorite player, Doug Wick- Wickenheiser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. worried when he was tied with Wickenheiser, but back, you know, stress. That's yeah, that's well said. I, I'd just like to add one thing that I I, I almost that kind of discouraged me though a little bit about Slavkovsky t- today was when he took those the two penalties in the second period, just only because he would he had almost just been out of the, the penalty box from the first one, probably went back to the bench. I wasn't tracking him that closely, but then it would have been his next shift out and he got another penalty. So like I, I would have loved to if the camera had panned back to Coach Marty there because right about that time I think he would have been pulling what little hair he's got on his head out uh, <laughs> over that kind Marty's of thing. still got a decent head of hair. Oh, I know. He's just short. He's just short. That's all. <laughs> Not saying he's followed good job. Give him time. <laughs> so it's just one of those things. That, but he's, yeah, he's 19, right? Okay. So, but yes, I and I agree with the comments earlier too about his passion. It's great to see that coming through the last few games for the right reasons. This is a, a bad game where you notice him. He still did some decent things on the ice. It's not like last year where a bad game was just because he, you know, he just fell on his bum and, you know, he didn't really have time with the puck. He just dumped it in. You know, it's just like a complete 180. It's it's kind yeah. of insane. Yeah, for sure. It's encouraging. And I think that's what that's what guided them to to pick him over Shane Wright. I think these, you know, where Shane had the attitude where, like, I deserve to go first, even though you had a terrible, like, a for his standards, like a bad year, a bad playoff for sure. And yeah. kind of that entitled kind of character. I mean, I don't want to judge him because I don't know him, but I mean, Slavkowski has the, you know, he's hey, working out with that Dr. Shot and he's just every, every game, there's something different to his game and that, that there's got to be a willingness to learn there. And that's, that's great. Yeah. And that extra practice has really started to pay off now lately. Right. I mean, we, we, we talked about some of that earlier off season stuff and then even the, earlier in season things that we, we, we'd see on about and, and the things that were recorded about him on the ice with working with Nicholas, but it's, 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 it's nice to see it's, it's bearing fruit, right? And they yeah. get rewarded for it too. I mean, look at Joshua Wah. I had a great game today. He was put yeah. on the ice on with the empty net, you know? And so they know that it's not like an old school coach is just like, well, I'm going to go with Anderson anyways, you know, like, so, I mean, that, that's yeah. it's just Marty's just leading them by example. No, that's yeah. what I, that's what I was going to say. The biggest difference with this regime is they actually have a real development team in place. It's not like stick them in the minors with my old buddy who doesn't know shit and oh they don't do anything. Well, that's too bad. I guess I'll just make a trade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you and you mentioned Joshua. I, I wanted to to give him some kudos for that play he made on the first goal, where he was I can't remember if he's being checked or pulled down or something behind the net. He came up to the side and he made that one handed pass out to. Robert Jackye, who put it, put yeah. the first goal in, like that was a hell of a hell of a heads up play. Great effort, like just all around. I can't say enough good things about that. Great yeah. call, Norm. Uh, he uh, he really. I think that was a, the third time he kept the puck in the zone. That shift, it was an excellent shift by that line. They yep. wore down the Sabers, and um, I really liked the forecheck. And I I actually thought that line sucked the first five to seven shifts of the game. I thought they were awful. But uh, they they really turned it around, and he led the he led the charge with them that line turning it around. They were on the ice for both the Canadians' goals. I'm, I'm pretty sure, and yeah, Joshua, who 
I would say when he first came up to the Canadians, I was not impressed with his level of creativity because I thought, you know, offensive player, we're going to see him try some stuff. But it looks like he was just pensive in making decisions. And it looks like he's got some confidence now to try a little bit more. I even noticed him twice this evening trying to knock the puck down in midair. One time, like, protecting his body near the boards to do it. And then another time, just inside the blue line there. And I really thought that, you know, those are things I I don't think he would have tried when he first got called up. So I was... I'm happy to see him develop and, and grow now that it's his second recall with the Canadians, right? Because he didn't go back down for a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. But I think it's, it's a confidence thing. It takes some time to get used to a new league, especially a new fast league with, you know, with the best players in the world, right? It's not like sure. even the difference between going from junior to, to Laval is not as big, I don't think, as going from Laval to the, to the, to the NHL. So, it's an adjustment period and the the skill development from all of the prospects I find very, very encouraging. Speaking of prospects, I see that Scott Wheeler has the Canadians prospect pool ranked number 10. What do you guys think of that? That's fair. I would say, I mean, there's a lot of bright spots. You know, you, you hope that Ryan Backer can pick up the pace coming to Laval next year. Because he's in the, what's essentially a tire fire in uh, Switzerland. I don't think anyone expected that. And so he's going to be in that relegation battle and then, then come over. And then, I mean, Lane is Lane. I think, was Lane the number one prospect on the list? Or was it? I didn't actually have a chance to see it. I heard it was, he. Wheeler was actually on TSN 690 on Melon, like in the afternoon today. He, yes, Lane's number yeah. one. Lane's, Lane's number one. one. Yeah. yeah and then, how how did he not be number one? Yeah, if I mean, you redid that draft right now, would he not be a top five pick? I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Yeah, tough call. Uh, at least top fifteen. Yeah, because yeah. there's there's still be some teams that'd be biased against small defensemen. He's six foot three now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of top, speaking of top five. Wheeler also said that because he was asked, I guess, in the in the chat on the athletic, but also by Melnick, where would the Canadians rank if they picked Mitchkoff instead of Reinbacker? He and he said he thought that that would put them in the top five. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no shit. Okay. I don't know. If he comes uh, over. Yeah, he'll he'll come over. He'll we'll, he'll come over we'll, and send do a couple of Capri subs and teach Montreal a thing or two. We'll, we'll, pick, we'll just pick Ivan uh, Demidov this year. That's all. Yes, yeah. please. Isn't he going to go number two, though? Depends. There's a lot of defensemen in this draft. A lot of defensemen. Yeah, he could be top five. Yeah. No, I don't think he'll go to. I don't think he'll go two. I don't think he'll go two. It'll be like last year. There will be a bias against where he's from. Not to go too off topic, but if they don't get Demidov, I want them taking Aginla. Even if it's sixth overall, I don't care. <laughs> Aginla uh, will be the, the worst he's going to be is Brady Kachuk. That's the worst the he's going to be. Yes. So we'll never make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I would love to have Brady Kachuk on my team. They're not, they're not missing the playoffs because they have the, a captain that I, you know scores what? at a point of game pace what? and fights, every, fights 10 times a year. They haven't been anywhere near it since he's been on the team. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe he's not a good captain. That's maybe maybe that, but he's a hell of a hockey player. His save percentage is too low. You gotta love those bloodlines, though. I mean, that's makes you feel. I mean, 
I mean, we're with two old guys, but when I feel old <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not that old, but like, <laughs> like I clearly remember Jerome McGinley and like following pretty much the entirety of his career. And now his son is going to go in the NHL. That's, that's insane to me. It is. Yeah. And Sacco Koivu's kid also going to be picked this year. Uh, but speaking of prospects, Norm, I know you wanted to talk on that, that uh, Vi- I can't pronounce it. Vince's. How do you pronounce his first name? The kid uh, there from Zurich? Yeah, I shared with you guys an interesting story about him, and I and I couldn't help but think that you know it, it's nice to hear a, a kid who who recognizes that it it isn't all about getting to the NHL as fast as possible. It's it's about taking the time and developing. You know, he had some time over in the OHL. He learned from that. Decided to go back to Europe. Wanted to develop his game there. Knows that he needs to to grow develop physically because he's not a, a big guy smart picks that this this management team is has made over somebody who is like a mid-round player you know I, I think i'd be disappointed if he's not a bottom six player and i think like a really good bottom six player not just somebody who's going to fill in some time so i was kind of i was kind of happy to see that but it also kind of disappointed to see he didn't make Scott Wheeler's top 10 here. I was just quickly looking through the list <laughs> and I thought he would have at least made number 10, but no, I guess. Well, I would look at that as a good thing, Norm. If this is a prospect you think is going to be a surefire NHL or he's not in the top 10, then Montreal must have a whole bunch of top six talent up in, up in the middle of that, of that board. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Well, do you guys want me to uh, quickly go over this list? Sure. Or? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. So Hudson's first. Second is David Reinbacher. I'd have Logan Mayu there. Okay. Jacob Fowler is number three. Uh, mm. Joshua Raw is number four. Logan Mayu is number five. Justin Barron's number six. Owen Beck, number seven. Jaden Struble, number eight. Philip Massar, number nine. And as I mentioned, oh, no, I didn't mention, sorry. Number 10, Sean Farrell. Oh, sorry. There's more. I didn't. I stopped at ten. Uh, Emil Heineman is eleven. I thought it was only tw- okay. Twelve is Adam Heg- Engstrom. Thirteen, William Trudeau. Fourteen, Xavier Simino. Fifteen, Riley Kidney. So your Vince's boy isn't even in the top thousand, maybe. Yeah, he makes the honorable mention area. I was. That's really surprising. I definitely had him higher than than Xavier Simino, for example. Uh, Struble's an NHLer now, though he's not a prospect. I don't think there's. I think it has to do with. I think he he sets his age being like you have to play under a hundred NHL games or something. Yeah, and there's an age cutoff as well. But we can agree amongst us four that Struble's an NHLer. Yes, I'd be shocked to see him back in the minors. Struble is fantastic. He had that one rough game on the Super Bowl weekend against the Blues where he absolutely stunk out the joint, but. He's a kid, and he's been spectacular. I can probably count on, on my hand, outside of the St. Louis games, how many bad plays he's made. Right. Not only that, but he contributes offensively. He scored a second goal of the year, third goal of the year tonight. He gets the puck on net. He hits like a truck, and he tries to create stuff offensively. Yeah. To me, Struble's a 100% NHL. I love yeah. his game. Yeah. Wasn't Struble the one that took out uh, uh, Wheeler for the, for the Rangers in that game? Yeah, poor Wheeler. Oof. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't even much of a hit. Wheeler was basically caught his skate in a rut, and his knee wet, bent in ways that knees are not intended to bend. It is it is yeah. possible that uh, Struble hit him so hard the shock 
went down and broke his leg. <laughs> he'd already, the leg was already broken before it even touched the ice. It's, yeah. It is possible. You know, you guys men mentioned Semino. The problem with Semino is he's 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 tiny, but he's like he's a buzzsaw on the ice. He just goes for it. Like he's like a his work. He's got a Gallagher type work ethic, except he can skate and he's got good hands. But he's just, yeah, I, I don't know where he would fit on the Canadians. Maybe, maybe fourth line center, but I, I, I don't know. But I think he'd make a good trade chip at some point because his game—he's still growing his game in Laval. But I really like his style of play. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned Heinemann's another one that that I liked every time we we've, we've seen him too. I think he's yeah decent third third line potential. Yeah. Sure. But go, going back to the defense question, if, if obviously I know they're both left-handed, but what if, what if you had Jack Eye and Struble as your as your bottom pair, like your five six? That'd be a hell of a shutdown. I don't think opposing teams would like that very much. I, I don't think they would either. <laughs> I think I, I think Jack Eye with Bayou would make sense. I think those two seem to work well together. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, yes. True. Yeah. Yeah. Shake and bake. That'd be like Will Ferrell and John C. Rowley there. There'd be. <laughs> a lot of first and second place finishes. <laughs> no, no. Speaking of that, speaking about size on the blue line, I, I'd like to switch back for a second to the Buffalo game. So it, it, in a way, it was nice to see Jordan Harris healthy enough to be back in the lineup. But when they take Kovacevic out, I kind of question it because only because they were facing a Buffalo team that they know has a lot of big forwards. Oh. And and what do you think happens is like to me, Harris is the type that just struggles against bigger forwards. It just, I'm sorry, it's just where he's at. I think they kind of all struggle around that that Tuck and that uh, Tage Thompson. Those guys are just they're they're what I what I want Slavkovsky to turn into in terms of how much they dominate inside the offensive zone. They're monstrous, they're fast, and they drive the net. They're a nightmare to play against. I think pretty much every Habs defenseman got walked at least once tonight. But I agree, uh, Norm. If I was going to trade any young Habs D, Harris would be first on my list out the door. But I probably would imagine that other NHL teams see, see that as well. But he might complement another team in a better way. But, uh, yeah, I'd have Harris I'd have Harris out for sure. Not that I like Kovacevic more because I, neither of them I want in Montreal long term. But... Harris for me looks like he's struggling. I'd, I'd rather have Baron than Harris. I, I really like Harris, but I agree. I would be he'd be first on my trade block. But you know, I'm not sure what how much value, like you said, he has. Yeah, it's interesting. But great kid though, tries hard. Yeah, okay. yeah. I wonder how does Luke talk compared to his brother? Speaking of prospects that we haven't talked, significantly about. less talented. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's true, right, Sean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's. I mean, it's, he's in his fourth year in, in college, and he's still not a point of game player. But let's I, hope that you know, he's an AHL guy. I would say at this point, Paul, let's yeah. hope he's a good, big, contributing AHL guy that can come up for a couple cups of coffee. But I wouldn't be expecting him to turn into a, a top nine forward. Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree. I I don't know how much of a future he has, but it's yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> Well, let's see. I'd like to segue over to an interesting story that came out from Elliot Friedman recently where they were talking about Hughes and the three-goalie system that Montreal's adopted for the year and the possibility that they may not trade any of them before the, the trade deadline. I know we've talked about who they could trade in previous podcasts, but let's ponder, ponder and discuss that for a moment. I like the fact that Hughes sets a price and he 
it's pretty hard to move off it. Okay. I do. I do like that. He doesn't panic. He doesn't to say, say, oh, you know, I need to make this deal, so I'll take whatever I can get. He just sticks to his guns, and most of the time, it's really worked. But I'm starting to question whether or not the potential havoc that three system is playing with the development of our goalies is 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 worth the return. I mean, we have so many prospects and so many so many draft picks, so many prospects. I don't actually care what the return is right now. As long as they don't retain salary, I'd be happy with them to get anything and get Jake Allen out the door so we can actually find out if Primo can be a solid backup at the NHL level. Yeah, at this point, I kind of feel that Jake might have negative value. You might have to give a pick away for somebody to take his contract. I think he'd clear waivers right now. But the fact is, Jake's not played enough. He's a guy that's got to play a little bit more frequently than, you know, what's he playing, three games a month? It's kind of tough, I think, for any of them to get into the rhythm. Well, either the other two, obviously, Montembeau's playing enough, but Primo and, and Allen aren't playing enough to cement themselves for any type of value. I don't think Primo would be just for what you think he could develop into, but... Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, I wish he would have taken a deal earlier, but who knows? You know, all it takes is a couple goalies to get injured before the trade deadline, or a couple goalies to really shit the bed in, you know, a market where they think they have a chance at a cup, and all yeah. of a sudden there you go. But you know, God forbid Connor Hellebuck or somebody like that goes out on a team that's got some great goaltending, and all of a sudden there's now a market for Jake Allen or one of the or one of the other two guys. Yeah, I, I don't think Allen's value is is that low. I mean, I don't think that the Canadians will be able to get a lot, but I... Is his game against I, St. Louis impressed you? Uh, <laughs> no. No, not at all. But but the thing is, other GMs also know that he has a track record, and they tend to go by that more than one game thing. And the other You're thing is, right. they know that he'll fit in the room because he's a solid pro, so there's no no worry about personality. But the other thing is, I don't think... He, I, but that said, my point was be that I don't think he cleared waivers. I don't know if there's a trade to be had for any real value, but I think I think there would be a team that would take a flyer on him for free. Sean, you think he clears waivers? Allen? Yeah, I do. I don't think anyone wants that contract. I don't. I think that's why he's in the. He hasn't been traded yet. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't even think anyone would take Primo honestly on waivers. I don't think he's like he's. he's oh, got somebody some, take Primo is too young. Somebody would take Primo. But who, they'd have to have three goalies in the NHL. So. Oh, he know. wouldn't. He's he he's not waiver eligible. He he has to clear waivers. No. He does have no. a quick. Oh, okay. Well, then there you go. They could send him down. Yeah. So exactly. I don't know. I he find that weird. That no, no. Primo has to clear. That's why he's in Montreal. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, right. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So but, I mean, that means another team has that problem. So unless okay. there's an injury. Yeah, but, I guess you're probably right. I don't know. But as soon as. It, go ahead. No, no. Personally, I would keep Allen this season and I would play him as much as possible against, especially division opponents. He should have played tonight against Buffalo, really given Buffalo the, the game from the start. And he should play every game against the Sens. That's for sure. I, I actually I actually don't find a problem with that because, yeah, Sean's right. If he stinks, then that's good for the Habs draft position. And if he's great, then it's good for his, draft, his trade value. So that's a win-win there. There's no lose. But, you know, yeah. it, it, if he plays mediocre, it's Montreal. They're going to say he played amazing. This is the way goalies work in this town. We always – worship the goalie in Montreal. So I agree with Sean um, on that point. In divisional games, he should play them all. There'd be a market if he was on his final year of his contract, but he's not. And I don't think people want him at that price. 
It just hasn't done enough. And it's nice to have yeah. goalies are so fickle. I mean, look at Corpus Allo in Ottawa. I mean, he had a great last year, right? And now he's just like, he's absolutely atrocious. Yeah, so I mean, look, look at Samsonov right now. I watched Sportsnet this morning, and I'm pretty sure he's locked up the Vesna. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's won four games in a row or something like that. And they said yeah. they've never seen that in Toronto before from a goalie. So. <laughs> Yeah, the th- the thing is, I think Montreal's salary retention spot probably has more value on its own than it does attached to mm-hmm. Jake Allen's contract. That's a great point, Paul. Yeah, I'm full. I'm fully expecting them to use it. I don't know if anyone wants it, but it'd be the only way you can move Tanner Pearson because you know, and a team might want him because you know he's won the cup, he's a veteran. You can kind of trust him on a third line. What's, and, what's, uh, his, what's his salary? That's a good question. He's he doesn't he's not making that much this season I don't think in Vancouver I'd say, I'd two million bucks two million bucks sound right he's actually three point two five so he's, you know oh. no I one wants him at that so half of that is his value but even that it'd be like a, what a fourth or a fifth round pick but yeah anyway. yeah so okay. then is this the last year of that deal as well Pearson's not yeah that it's, next year. it's the last year perfect yeah, yeah. he'll be back so, for sure yeah. Yeah, that's a guy that's not impressed me whatsoever. He had a couple. Great no, first games game in Montreal season. was great. He yeah. scored a goal in his first game in Montreal, but other than that, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, if in an ideal world, Armia's recent upsurge, not not counting tonight's screw up on the penalty kill, but uh, other than that, he's been playing really well. If if Montreal retains salary on him, I know Hughes doesn't want to do it multi year, but if they could get rid of Armia's contract, that would make me very happy. Yeah, that yeah. was quite the, quite the selfish play. When you you know you got obliterated and you wanted to make a point and try to like score a fancy goal to be like in your face and then just coughed up the puck on an Ottoman rush. No, oh, that was terrible. To me, that was just classic Armia. I, that's <laughs> one of the reasons why I've said before on past podcasts I can't stand the guy. I'll be glad the day he used Montreal. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I I I just get that. Like he was just filled with rage after getting smoked, and he's like, <laughs> I want to show you in like. As much as we all, okay, I, I know exactly what you're saying, Norm, because I felt like at the very start when it first happened, I was like, what a fucking idiot. Like, just get the puck deep. Like, why are you yeah. doing that? But also then right away, I think, like, imagine if we scored there, we would be fucking loving it. Like, we'd be doing the Paul Korea off the floor and on the board. What a goal, Joel Armia. What a goal, Joel. We'd be just loving it and going nuts. So I actually love that he tried to do that because the game was entertaining tonight. Everyone that paid their ticket price at the Bell Center tonight got their money's worth. It looked like a full house. I don't know why Molson's ripping out three or 400 seats out of the Bell Center to create some type of new, better improved party area. 29000 bucks a seat, least expensive seat. I don't know why they're pulling out 300 seats from that lower bowl. The size of that lower bowl makes the Bell Center exciting. I, I know I pivoted from your Armia topic, but... I love what Armia did there just because the game's entertaining. He's just trying to have fun. And we would have loved it if he scored after getting smoked like that. <laughs> Except True. for what, well, what, let's see. I'm trying to think here. Uh, no, that was a game tying goal, I guess, at that point when they, they scored because of Armia's screw up. Could we when just we not game- like do a surgery, Gignac, Armia, Gallagher, combine them into one player? <laughs> oh, that of Gignac, the, 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 you know, the, the, the work ethic of Gallagher and mm. the, and I the guess, quote unquote, talent, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know, since you Brenda brought up Geniac, let's let's talk about him a little. We haven't really discussed it. You know, I'll start off. I mean, it was nice that he 
got his his big break to get back in the NHL after I think he he had only had one NHL game before. He's been perpetually yeah. in the minors. Yeah, and he's twenty five or twenty six. So 26. yeah, you love to hear about underdog stories like that. So it was pretty cool that the Monahan trade facilitated the roster spot opening up that they could turn around and, and sign him because he was only on an AHL contract. Yeah. But, you gotta yeah, love that. You gotta love that. I love that one. That like a guy that's like just toiled in the minors that long and he comes up and he scores a goal. And you gotta know the dressing room absolutely love that. That was at the end of the game too, a game that they absolutely dominated. When you say you might not want Zegris, look at who he has to play with because that is one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life, the Ducks. That they are <laughs> awful. Yeah, uh, but like that—that that was that's great for him, and he, he's so fast, and it's nice to have a like a thirteenth, a fourteenth forward. Let's say when everyone's healthy. Yeah, that's like that. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. That, it, yeah, he's got good speed, smart, good hands. I mean, for and that first NHL goal, you know, which we all treasure watching a rookie get his first NHL goal. That was a beauty. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just it showed off his hands and just. Just one of those times. It was a special moment. You love to see stuff like that. And if he can hang around maybe next season, like you said, as a 14th forward, I, I would have no problem with that. And that's why players love Montreal. You don't get that. A career AHL is never going to get a reaction like that for first career goal in any other arena, I don't think. No. Yeah. Yeah. The fans definitely appreciate that, I think, extra. Yeah. And aside from that pesky high stick, he almost had a second one. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'll give me for effort on it at least. Yeah, no, I yeah. like I his game. I wish he had a little better. I don't know finishing ability, but I mean, none of our bottom forwards can score anyway. So, hmm. I mean, you know, poor Jake Evans. Half the time you leave him in front of an empty net, he probably couldn't <laughs> score. But uh, I like the way, like, he was doing great work on the power on the penalty kill. I should say. Uh, uh, oh, Jack? No, Evans. Oh, Evans. Okay. Let's into Evans. But going back to Giniac for a minute, you know, when he was when he was celebrating after that goal in Anaheim, I was just waiting for one of the Ducks to come over and level him. I was just hoping he wasn't going to oh. cross checked in the head, <laughs> you know, for violating the code. But I guess they realized he was he was a first time call up. So yeah, that was um, nice. And and even though the goalie quickly shot the puck down the, down the ice, I yeah. sure there was a veteran or maybe an official that grabbed it for him at least. Uh, Pizzetta got went and got it. Oh, okay, good. I didn't see that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. My thoughts on Gignac, I'll echo most of what you guys say. The thing that surprised me the most is that, obviously, there's so many teams in the league that if a guy's undersized, they just won't give them a chance. And I think that's what happened here because, you know, drafted by the Devils in the third round, and for Mona play only to play one game, you figure, you know, a top three-round pick, you're going to give them, you know, two you – know, I, I always thought their golden rule was, you know, if you're a third-round pick, you kind of get two or three sniffs – where they let you, you know, come up to the NHL a couple, you know, two or three times. If you're a second round pick, you kind of get four or five chances. And if you're a first round pick, you seem to get 10. You get four or five with your first organization, three or four with your next, and two or three with your next. So I, I just surprised you never got a chance. And yeah, Especially that's the, that's, the, that's the era of the Devils. Like they weren't good, like 2018. Yeah, they yeah. yeah, like why wouldn't you give a guy like that some games? Yeah. And his AHL stats were always like he was producing. It's not like he stunk it up down there. He just never got a chance. So, yeah, uh, cool for Montreal to give him a chance. And hopefully he just keeps getting better. Or hopefully um, he's not on the team next year. Yeah, true. Okay. 
And I mentioned the code. And so what do you guys think of Riley's suspension? Okay, we got to talk about more than the Riley suspension. Let's first start out with, <laughs> let's first talk about each one of us, what we all thought about Ridley Gregg. So did we like what Ridley Gregg did? And did we think it warranted a, a reaction? Norm, let's just go with those, just yes or no's. Do you like what Ridley Gregg did? Yes or no? It was unsportsmanlike. I'll put it that way. <laughs> unsportsmanlike. Okay, fair enough. Did you think it deserved a response? A response, yes, but not the one that Morgan Riley gave. <laughs> fair. Uh, okay. Sean, same question. No, I don't mind what he did. and it didn't need it. It could, like, I got a talking to, but that's about it. Okay, Paul? Uh, I didn't really love it, but... You know that that's a face wash, or maybe a, you know, a smack in the in the chest or something. Not a not a cross check to the head. I don't lo- I don't like a cross check to the head in any context, given what we know about concussions, exactly. and head trauma now. And I think I, I was disappointing that the PA, the you know the ho- the hockey union decided to appeal it on on Riley's behalf because I they always seem to forget about protecting the other guy. I don't know right. why that is. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll just say my, my thoughts. I, I love what Ridley Gregg did and I <laughs> absolutely, and I absolutely think it deserved a, a response. Definitely not a cross in the head. The, just like, if you would have just, I would have loved if Ridley Gregg scored the way he did and then skated to the corner and took his helmet and gloves off and just, waited for Riley to come and they would have just thrown down. But here's what I would do. The suspension was great, but here's the thing that I think was the most spectacular thing about it. Everybody in the sports community for two days, even outside of hockey was talking about hockey. That shows how wicked that was. So I would have suspended. I would have, if I was the commissioner of the NHL, I would have upheld the suspension to Riley. I would have paid Riley's fine, given him an extra $500,000 and given Ridley Scott $500,000 for all the free publicity the NHL got because of their antics. Great for the league, great for the game. Matthew Barnaby had the best tweet about it. He said he loved what Ridley Scott did, and he loved what, uh, or not Ridley Scott, sorry, Ridley Gregg did. Uh, although <laughs> the gladiator. It, was master, it was a masterpiece, so are you not entertained? So that worked out quite well. But I, I love what they both did, and Barnaby, who I don't like very much, especially after that Mother's Day hat trick against the Canadians, but he said he loved what both players did, and so did I. I thought it was great for the game, except for the cross check. would have been better if Riley just fought him, but can't wait for the next Ottawa-Toronto game for sure. Okay. So you think it was great for the game, but really, and you, you say it got hockey and NHL in the spotlight, but to me, I think it got in the spotlight for the wrong reason. Doesn't matter what you're in the spotlight for. When they're talking about you in the sports media, there's an old uh, line in hockey, hockey they talk about, Norman, they say, Hey, we better cut this fighting out of hockey. We better stop stop this fighting, or else we're gonna have to start bigging, building bigger arenas. Yeah, but they did they did stop the fighting mostly. I mean, there's hardly any fights compared to but what that fighting is good. That fighting's fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm ambivalent about the fighting because of you know seeing the the carnage that it takes on the toll it takes on the participants. But that said, it's. It's it's I watch it and I enjoy it. I can't say <laughs> I don't. Right. Both sides of the coin. I love it, Paul. I love it. It's you know, okay to be on both sides of the coin, but yeah, I love it too. It's the best. Did you guys think the five games was enough? No. I would have liked more. I would I would like to see a standard 
standard penalty. You cross-check a guy in the head like that, especially if you cross-check them after the play, especially 10 games, automatic, yeah. no question. No dicking around like, oh, he only deserved two games. Oh, th- did the NHL get it right? The hell with that. 10 yeah. games, automatic. I, I Honestly, I never know with the NHL. The, the Elliott Friedmans of the world say that they believe that the Department of Player Safety is consistent in, consistent in its rulings. I think that's a total load of shit. Well, yeah, because he's not a mouthpiece for the NHL. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a total random wheel of bullshit, and I, I honestly never have any clue what the suspension is going to be. When we recorded that podcast talking about the Gallagher one, I honestly did not know if that was going to get a suspension. I was like, maybe they would say like his elbow was slowed down by his by the other player's jersey first. Like, who knows the stuff they make up? It's it's completely <laughs> random. There was that game this year where that. What's that guy's name on the Rangers? Tomahawk somebody in the top of the head, and it was a five thousand dollar fine. Like it was insane. And then the, the but it, but this play was most similar to the Perron one, which was five or six games. And um, you mentioned before, Paul, that the PA and and uh, Riley, what is it called, appealed the suspension to Bettman, and yeah. that's the third time there's been an appeal this year, which I would probably say is maybe the players trying to force George Peros out. Because, yeah, the parent or whatever his name is there for the Red Wings also fought his suspension in McAvoy for for Boston. So three original six teams, all big media teams, fought their suspensions. And maybe they're trying to get Peros out because they want some other Ivy League genius in that seat. (laughs) (laughs) I am with you, uh, Norman, Paul. It's not enough. I mean, honestly, you might laugh, but go back and there's nothing – not much difference between that and what Dale Hunter did to Turgeon, but in serious, seriously, like mm-hmm. after the play targeted his head was not, ex- well, maybe Greg was probably expecting it more. So that's why he wasn't hurt. Turgeon was out for the rest of the playoffs, right? Because it got yeah. swept by the Habs. <laughs> and, <laughs> 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 but really he got 21 games back in. I know Dale Hunter's like the most repeat of repeat offenders in, <laughs> in league history probably, but I mean, that was 93, and he got 21 games. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, five. And I hate the – my number one pet peeve is, oh, he's never been suspended before. What, what does it matter? Like, if you, like, cross-check someone in the teeth, knock out his teeth and, like, kill him, oh, well, he didn't get suspended before this, you know, we'll, we'll just give him eight games. You know, like – But that's I that's the world we live in, though, right? Like, in terms of the law in North America, repeat offenders probably get sentenced to more things. Like – if you steal, yeah. uh, you know, five hundred dollars from a store one time, it's probably not as bad as you know your thirtieth time. I would probably imagine. Yeah, but does this mean Riley's more willing to do it because he said, "Well, you know, I, I, you know, I've got a good record. Yeah, might as well be me, um, not Reeves, because you saw Reeves didn't prevent anything, right? Uh, well, he was it, he was on the bench. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, and actually, a lot of the way the other Leafs players, well, some of them, Domi was in there right away, piling on there. But then the rest of the old Leafs were just tiptoeing through the tulips. It was Marner, Nealander, and Matthews, and they wanted no part of that. They went, they went in there and gave a couple Senators a couple kiss on the, kisses on the cheek. But the next Sens Leafs game will be fun. It won't be because of the stars. It'll be because of the guys uh, banging around, and that was that was entertaining stuff, and I loved it. it, it it's kind of interesting. There was I'd forgotten about this other similar incident which happened. I think it was last year. And I saw a reference to it in some somebody, uh, I can't remember where. Anyway, so the, Blake Lazat from the Kings got suspended one game for a similar type of a hit to Josh Morrissey. Do you guys remember that? I do not. 
No. Okay. So like an, was, a, an end of the game type thing? No, it was during game, but Lazat had went into the offensive zone and then peeled back because he saw Morrissey was back by the blue line. And Morrissey saw him coming. He dropped his gloves and Lazat went full cross check right into the face and he dropped down and then benches went, well, players on the ice went nuts, not the benches. Morrissey got up and went like straight to the locker room. So sorry, Morrissey was attacking the other guy and then the other guy. There was some play that happened up ice that Morrissey, and I I don't remember the details, but he pissed off Lazat with whatever he did. I didn't think it was that warranted, but it was, it was similar. But even still, I think like in that case, it was just to me. It's just another example of the DOPS or dopes group that uh, they <laughs> they hand out suspensions. Like uh, I don't know, I don't know. I can't think of a similar. Austin file. Matthews has scored his fiftieth goal of the season against the Arizona Coyotes in yes. just fifty four games. Yep. Because uh, you uh, predicted that that uh, Matthews would score against the Coyotes. <laughs> since since the NHL is probably also scripted, yes. You said the the next Sens Leafs game will be interesting. Guess what? Great NHL scheduling. They don't play again this season. So oh. yeah. Do you know? Do you know that the the, rain, the the Rangers and Islanders did not play against each other in twenty twenty three? That's kind That's of crazy. insane. They played no, all I'm... their games last year before January, and all their games this year after January. Craziness. Okay. Well, last year was the Isles New Arena, so maybe it's something to do with that. Fair, good point, Sean. Oh, you right. Look, look, at, look, at, look at Montreal and, and Toronto. Like they're not playing until like next month. Yeah, um, we got, we got to get more divisional games on the schedule. I agree. Yeah, it's craziness for t- for a sport that needs rivalries to to generate interest. They're not doing a very good job of promoting them. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, guys, I think the only other topic I had was for around the hockey world area was, uh, again, related to the Leafs. I thought it a little bit amusing that John Tavares is fighting with Revenue Canada over his <laughs> signing bonus from 2018. <laughs> like, did, not, did he not, um, like, consult an accountant before, like, signing a contract that massive? Like, I don't understand. Like, are you not aware of how Ontario is with taxes? Like, they're, it's one of the worst in the country. Yeah. Uh, what I would just level. what I would just say about that is I wish the the federal government worry worry itself less among about the millionaires, but go after the billionaires for all the tax evasion bullshit they do. Let's not worry about John Tavares's million dollars you owe, and let's go after the the billion dollar organization. Why can't they do both? People. Yeah. Don't worry <laughs> about the millionaires. Take care of the billionaires first. I'd I'd love that, but of course yeah. that'll never happen. And uh, just, just spend more time. Capitalism that we're experiencing. Yeah. Not to get political, but they're more likely to go after somebody like us because we don't have the resources to hire the lawyers to beat them. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, they're they're not as likely. Exactly, you're you, exactly right, Paul. They they've already shown that they haven't really gone after any of the people that that were identified on the the Panama list. I, I'm sorry, are you guys familiar with that one? Yeah, yeah Jack yeah. Molson's okay. on it. Oh, was he? I didn't know that. Yeah, and the Montreal Canadiens. I think they're both on it. <laughs> are you serious? Are you joking right now? I thought I didn't like, really. The, I didn't ta- all the tax evasion, the big Canadian organizations that had all their money in in offshore accounts. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost positive yeah. the Canadians and oh, okay. are involved in that. And of course they are Norm, because they're billionaires. They're all shit. <laughs> I would just hide my cash in the cheese factory, like uh, you know, like Saputo. 
Molson yeah. should be hiding in the brewery. <laughs> <under> the... <laughs> yeah. Don't trust banks, you know, just hide it. <laughs> what could go wrong? Uh, who's ever going to look at a wheel of uh, Parmesan? <laughs> <laughs> True. Oh, well. Okay, guys. Well, I think on that note, unless she had something else to discuss. I just want to. Uh, was that say, too uh, cheesy for you, Norm? Oh, that was. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say big ups to uh, Alexander Ovechkin, who's uh, refound his form. Of course, the classic, everyone writes him off you know, a ha- a halfway through a year, but he's got 16 goals now and well on his way to breaking Gretzky's record. Probably won't happen uh, next year, but it'll happen the year, but the year after. And uh, he went on the second longest goal scoring streak of his career, seven uh, goals in seven games, took one game off and then popped two the next game. So he's got nine and nine right now and can't wait till Ovechkin breaks Gretzky's record. And then Austin Matthews shortly after. Oh, <laughs> I want to give my kudos to the Professional Women's Hockey League, which is getting great attendance. It's actually really good to watch. It's uh, They did a good job this inaugural season. It's good for them. Oh, that's, yeah, that's well said. Yeah, I'm going to be going to a game. In fact, they're doing a, they're having a game at in Detroit here next month with nice. two, other, two other teams because Detroit does not have a team in the league. So looking forward to that. Who are the two teams, Norm? I believe it's Ottawa and Boston. Ooh, who will you be cheering yeah. for? Good question. Probably <laughs> Ottawa, just because of the yeah. Canadian roots. <laughs> May I make a suggestion? Okay. <laughs> Please go and cheer for the officials. Why? Uh, because Ottawa and Boston, you don't cheer for hockey teams from those cities. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a good slant on it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you yes. very much, gentlemen, for joining me tonight. <laughs> Spectacular. Nice chatting. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you, Norm and gentlemen.